Are you ready to tap in to your power within so that your business can reach its truest potential? Hi, I'm Candace Haza, and I help business entrepreneurs access their inner GPS so that their business can grow and thrive. You are here to serve and to create an impact in this world. Welcome to the Intuitive Business Podcast. Hey, welcome back. So today I have um, a funny story to tell you all, and it's about my Uncle Ralph, and it's called The Last Laugh. And so in the Intuitive Business Podcast, I wanted to give you an idea of how, number one, simple it is to connect to the energy field that lives inside of us, the Akasha, the energy of the Akasha, which is simply a database My phone just said, yes, it just went ding. (laughs) It's simply a database of your soul connected to divine source. It's an infinite space of truth, possibility, wisdom, and most, most especially the energy of love. And love and laughter are huge and high vibrations. If you ever watched the movie, What the Bleep, um, it talks about our energy and it it shows demonstrations. There's a famous scientist and what he did is he wanted to um, capture water molecules, but he wanted to see if there was an influence on language and what different things looked like, like say the energy of love. And so what he would do, and I don't understand all the uh, biology behind it, but he would freeze water that had the words love written on it. He would freeze water that had the words gratitude written on the outside of the bottle. And then he would look at the molecular structure of the snow or the frozen um, particle of water. He'd also look at things like hate um, detest, like very strong words. And he would look at the structure of those under a microscope. And here's what he found that if you write love on the outside of your energy bottle or gratitude, it's like miraculous snow crystals and it's real. Like that's what it really looks like. And if you write the word hate or loathe or something negative, if you even saying that, ooh, it just feels not good. <clears throat> but when you do that, it's dark and the energy looks dark. So think about the energy field of us. If the microscope can actually show you the vibration of the word love and how it affects something that's water, how do you think the energy of love affects us. We're 98% water. So think of the high vibration of that and laughter. (laughs) That's my favorite thing is laughter. So today I want to talk a little bit about my intuitive timeline, the Akashic records and laughter. So in another episode, I talked about recording my timeline about my intuitive journey. And one of the stories I shared was about the first time that I remember having an intuitive experience. And I was a little girl, I was at a baby shower, and I intuitively was playing with the baby inside this woman woman's womb. And then I shared with her that the baby was going to be born that night, and it was a little girl. And this was in the 60s. So when my mom got the first phone call or a phone call about the fact that I had shared that this was a little girl and that the baby was going to be born the next day. And when the baby was born the next day, my mom got a phone call (laughs) and she looked at me with, I called the hairy eyeball look. And I thought, I'm never doing that again. As a four-year-old child, I love my mommy and I want to please my mommy and I'm not doing that again. And so that's when I closed the door. Today, I'm going to talk about when I opened the door of my intuitive self. Now, I want to preframe this and I want to say all of us have intuition. 
Yes, there's different levels of intuition, and I call that building your intuitive muscle. And as we connect and become more aware and spend time connecting with our intuition, our muscle grows, just like if you're lifting weights. So today I want to talk about my first intuitive reading, and I didn't even expect, number one, to do it, and number two, I didn't know how to do it. But I'm going to talk also about the power of our heart, the wisdom that lives in our heart, and the moments that we can take, those woo moments, those windows of opportunity, when we're using our heart instead of our head. So let's, let's talk about this. So today I'm sitting in my office and it's a hot day. <laughs> I'm really excited that the weather changed. It's almost the last day of May and I'm watching a flag that's outside of my window in my neighbor's yard and it's flying gently and it's at full mask. Thank the dear Lord. And people are walking in the neighborhood today. I don't see anybody right now, but just a few moments ago, there was a husband and wife taking a nice little walk. And I have a big cup of tea with a lid. I call it my sippy cup. And as it's five o'clock somewhere. And it's my favorite mug because it keeps my tea warm. And so I'm sitting here with you. And I actually pretend like I'm actually looking at you. So I hope you see me (laughs) or your intuitive mind does. So this is a a story that's near and dear to my heart. My mom had just passed away and my uncle Ralph, who was not her biological brother, but her um, brother-in-law and my favorite aunt, sorry to all my other aunts, but everybody knows the heart connection I had with my aunt Lenny even to this day, she's gone, um, was and is such a huge connection. One time she told me before she passed, she said, Candy, you're my heart. And she was mine. And she still is. So her husband, Uncle Ralph, and my mom, they were like best friends. And so they hung out every night uh, after my father passed away. My Aunt Lenny, my Uncle Ralph, and my mom, they all hung out every single night. They had dinner together, and then when the evening was through, my mom could walk home. Um, She had an apartment down the street. She had moved out of our bigger home um, about six years before she passed. And so she had a really nice little life, and she had her freedom, and she still had companionship with my uncle Ralph. My aunt Lenny, she worked so hard. She would usually come home, make dinner and fall asleep on the floor in the den. And she would be snoring away. And my aunt Lenny and uncle uh, and my uncle Ralph and my mom, they'd hang out in the kitchen. He'd have his beer with ice cubes sitting on a napkin and she'd sit, um, at the chair closest to the door. The kitchen, uh, was a really special place place in my family's um, in my family's heart because my grandfather had built that home that my Aunt Lenny and Uncle Ralph lived in and and my mom, Aunt Lenny and Uncle Ralph spent their last years all together in that home. And so it's a really special kitchen. Everybody gets their assigned seats at some point in time. Mine was across from the stove, which would be across from my mom. <laughs> so everybody had a, had a chair and my Aunt Lenny would be sleeping. But after my mom passed, she passed at the end of, of January, and I came to visit my uncle, and he was still struggling. And he missed my mom so much. And he said to me one day, Candy, you can talk to your angels, or at least you said back in November when your mom was really sick, and then when you know she was passing in January, there were really magical moments because I had just connected with what what I was calling my angels and guides. And I still believe that we can connect with our angels and guides. But that was my beginning journey in November, right before my mom passed in January of 1996. So my uncle's heartbroken, heartbroken. And 
I was really struggling seeing him heartbroken. So he said, can't you talk to your mom for me? If you can talk to angels and guides, I'm sure your mom's an angel because she really was on this earth. So I opened up this little laptop. Now remember, this is 1996. So I had just purchased a used laptop that was about five to $800 and it was used. (laughs) And, um, that was a lot of money for back then for a used little device, but it gave me the opportunity to take a little mini laptop, which was pretty cool in 1996, and be able to type really quickly. And back then, my angels and guides really enjoyed my fingers being able to move so quickly because handwriting is how I first connected I would ask a question to my angels and guides, like, what are you here to teach me today? And so that would be the first question. And I would protect myself. I would ground myself and I would just stay open and my hand would start writing. So my first connector was automatic writing. And for myself and reading myself, it took me a lot of years to be able to figure out how to channel myself. But when I was taught to channel, which is just... uh, Opening up your heart to the information wisdom that's all around and then just downloading freely without mental judgment words that are coming through. And so that's what I used to do is I used to channel my own angel readings. And I did this for years and years, not believing that there was anything else that I could do. So my uncle with his beautiful heart, and he was... So my Aunt Lenny, my aunt, she was my best friend. She was my playmate. And for 20 years, she was my mom after my mom had passed until her passing. And she made a commitment to me. On my mother's uh, passing, she looked at me and she said, you and your sister will always have a home as long as there's air in my lungs. And she kept that promise her entire life. So for 20 some years, she was not only my best friend, but she was my complete family. She was my mom. And so her husband, my uncle Ralph, he had the same type of role in my life. He was my best friend. He was my playmate. And after my father's passing, he was also our family. And he assumed the role of, not of my father, but of a male figure, an adult male figure that loved me endlessly and would do anything for me. So when he asked me to communicate to my mom, my heart opened. It wasn't my head because I didn't know how to do a channel, first of all. I was still automatic writing. And second, to connect as a medium, which is connecting with spirit energy, which is a whole nother skill set. So there's channeling, <laughs> there's automatic, automatic writing, and there's mediumship. So he was asking me to do something that was completely at that time out of my wheel set. But I looked into his eyes and I saw tears. My heart was done. <laughs> put, a for, put a fork in that. It was done. And so I opened my laptop uh, and I opened up my heart. And I said, what do you want to know? And he said, I just want to know where she's at. So, and if she's okay. So I began typing. I put my hands to my keyboard. I grounded myself. I closed my eyes. And I still remember some images that I saw. And this is my first intuitive channeled reading of mediumship. (laughs) Now remember, I was just doing automated writing. And I had just been doing it since November. And this is probably February, maybe March. So just think November, December, January, February, maybe March. So four months of my first intuitive connecting (laughs) and my heart stayed open. And I was like, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm going for it because my uncle's in pain and he asked me to do something and I'm going to try. So the minute I closed my eyes, my fingers, just like uh, I typically channeled, started to connect to the keyboard, and I just felt like they were moving. Like, I can't tell you that there were letters. I didn't quite know what I was writing. I was just letting it happen. So as I'm doing this, 
my uncle's like, why do you keep hitting the reverse button? Like, just keep like, let me read what she's saying. (laughs) So he was really into this. So I can tell you some things that she was saying. So she um, was saying she had big, beautiful wings. That's what she said. And she lived in a place of all crystals, which my mom really liked crystals. But I could see it. It was like an opulescent lights sparkling everywhere. And she felt like the energy of a sparkle. Like she felt like the energy of light, which which back then I totally didn't understand. But I was just channeling. So I was writing these things and I'm tapping like the the paper. So if you hear me, (laughs) I'm actually going through the motions. I'm typing (laughs) like I was that day with my uncle sitting across from me on my left-hand side with his little beer with ice cubes on a napkin. That was the routine for him. So I'm sitting there and I'm writing and he's like, why do you keep going backwards and hitting return? And I said, every time I type your name that my mom's referring to you, I'm spelling it wrong. I'm typing Ralpho and I can't seem to control that. And I keep hitting the wrong button and he starts to cry. And he said, Candy, during our evenings that we would have when Aunt Lenny would be sleeping in the in the den, <laughs> snoring away, um, your mom and I would sit here and she would call me my name that she would give me and only call me when we were alone. And the name is Ralpho. So for him in that moment, that was his confirmation. And for me, I realized as I continued to type, I let Ralpho just happen. So instead of recorrecting, like reversing that O in Ralph, I let the Ralph O come through. And what I also realized is there was fluidity in writing, you know, because I stopped judging the O and just letting it happen. There was a flow to my writing that started to change and I was getting deeper into the connection with my mom and because I knew what it felt like to be with my mom, I was getting, I felt like it was an intimate connection. Like I, I felt emotional because I got to see her again and I thought she was gone because no matter how spiritual we are, when we lose somebody, it's so hard to believe that they're still at you, a sneeze away from us, or maybe they're not away at all. Maybe just maybe they become a bigger part of us. I truly believe when the spirit leaves that they sprinkle gifts to the universe, to each and every person. And the gifts that they sprinkle are the gifts that live inside of each and every one of us. Our joy, our laughter, our humor, our diligence, our resilience, our mission, our hopes, our dreams. I believe we get to sprinkle them like seasoning amongst all the people that we do leave behind. So I truly believe that there's a part of each person that leaves that they give us a gift. And so I feel like I've been given a whole lot of gifts because I had a whole lot of people in this world that I loved dearly that have left. And I'm sure that their gifts live inside of me. So why am I creating this episode about my uncle? So I had said my uncle was really struggling with my mom's passing. And this was March and my mom had been gone just a few months. Move forward just a few more months and it's March 1st again. And I am in Key West, Florida, around the Keys, and I am swimming in the bayous of Key West, and there's all these trees that have great roots. I forget what the names of the trees are. And so if you go right off the rocky shores of of Key West, um, there's like the beach where we were staying was rather rocky. It wasn't like what I was expecting. So we brought our snorkels along and we were, we were swimming and we had a great day and we had gone down to watch an Indy 500 race and it was, I think it was before the cart series. And so we were going to see, um, I think Elio Castroneves was still racing possibly then. 
Um, but anyways, we were pretty excited about the race and we had a lovely dinner and I'll still, I'll never forget that sitting out on a, the dock. Um, and we ordered a shared seafood meal, which I know that that sounds really weird, but I always wanted to share a big seafood platter with somebody. And my husband would always say, no, I don't want that. No, I don't. But this time he was like, yes, he goes, I want to order that. So, and I remember we slow danced to the song Lady in Red out on the the dock. And it was magical that evening. The next day, my sister called me. Now, remember back then, I, I'm not really sure that there were cell phones. I guess there was, but I don't think everybody had each other's phone number back then. So there was a message on, in my hotel room, and it was from my sister. Now, I love my sister, but back then, you know, we were both kind of doing our own things. We were 10 years apart, and 10 years apart, like I was out of the house, and she was, she was, in grade school. And I had just given birth to my baby, Carly, and she was learning to drive. So there was a big age difference and we hadn't quite caught up then. So to hear from my sister was very unusual. And I called her and my 54 year old uncle passed away in his sleep. It was a year, a month, and a day after, one, one, and one after my mom's passing. Now, these two people are pretty pivotal people in my lives, in my life. So losing him was devastating. So I tried to get back on a flight the next day, and I begged, basically. I think I had to find a newspaper article to prove that, you know, I was trying to get home for a funeral. I was on standby And um, it was difficult because people were still coming in for the race, going out for the race. But I somehow, I remember I got home, I got to Pittsburgh and and I went to my aunt's house and, um, you know, my aunt was devastated. She lost the two people that lived in her home with a year, a day, a month and a day. And I honestly don't believe that she quite ever recovered from that. It was, it was, it was a really tough blow for her. So we, you know, we went to the funeral, we planned the funeral and I promise that this is going to get better because I know a lot of you are struggling. It's still the pandemic. So please take the humor part out of this pretty soon. (laughs) I promise I'm getting there. So we go to my uncle's funeral, and one of the traditions we have is um, for the casket, you know, people are still burying the body type of thing. I'm not going to do that for me. But that was our family tradition, and that helps everybody. I do believe that helps everybody to get over the initial um, shock, especially a 54-year-old man that had no illnesses that were known to us, just been to the doctor. The only thing I do know, he was having really bad indigestion. So there probably was something with his heart going on. My aunt never had an autopsy, but I do believe he had malaria in the Vietnam War. And I think that that probably weakened his heart, and that's probably why he left us so soon. So we go to the funeral, and our tradition is to take things that have meaning and put it in their casket. So like for my dad, we knew that he so loved my my daughter, and she was only two when he passed. So we had put like barrettes and a piece of uh, art that my daughter had drawn, and uh, my sister, uh, my dad really liked, what's the name of that show, The Happy Little Trees? Um, my sister really liked that show. I mean, my dad really liked that show and that artist. And so she made it a painting of happy little trees and (laughs) gave that to my dad. And so that was what sent off to, you know, under the ground that all those beautiful things are with my dad. So somehow I got in charge of my uncle's special things. And so, of course, this is a family discussion because this is a serious thing. Like you got to put their stuff with them. So my uncle's loves, he loved his Marlboro cigarettes and his favorite lighter. So his last pack of cigarettes and his lighter definitely had to go with them. 
his favorite baseball cap, I think it was the, it was either the Steelers or the Pirates. I'm almost 100% certain it was the Steelers. I still have one of his Steelers sweatshirts and I'm a huge fan. Um, A lottery ticket that we made sure we checked because we teased everybody that we would dig his ass up if we won the lottery. (laughs) So we made sure that the tickets weren't good any longer. So his lottery tickets that he bought daily, baseball hat, his cigarettes, his lighter, and of course, an Iron City light beer. We could not let him go down without an Iron City light beer because that was his party drink. You know, he he liked to party at night, he called it, and he'd have beers and then he'd have another beer and then he'd have another beer and he'd sit peacefully and watch TV and people would just come in the house. All kinds of our friends. My Aunt Lenny and Uncle Ralph never had children, but all 36 of the nieces and nephews and all of their friends would just kind of <laughs> come through the house, you know, at all all times and we would have so much fun. So my responsibility then was to get these items to the funeral home. So that's what I did on the last day. So our family, when they say goodbye, um, there's the coffin and every, they take the kneeler, the prayer kneeler away and everybody goes by the, the coffin and says their goodbyes. So being that we were family and, you know, like his children, we were the first to come in and, you know, the funeral home wasn't full yet. So I thought, well, let's go and do this now. So my cousin Bobby, my cousin David, and myself, we walked up to the casket. We were in charge. So the one thing about me that um, <laughs> that I have kind of a phobia about is I don't like to touch anything dead. A dead bunny, a dead rat, a dead mouse that my cat brought. I, I'm, it's my Phobia. And I remember the day it was instilled in me. I was a little girl and I was carrying the bird to my mom. It had been stunned. It must have hit our picture window. And as I brought it to her, she screamed, Oh my God, is that a dead bird? And I thought, Oh my God, I'm holding a dead bird. And from <laughs> that day moving forward, I had this fear of dead things. So I should probably reprogram my brain to not be afraid of that anymore. I think I'm all right with it now. <laughs> But at that time, on that day, uh, March, probably third or fourth, I'm standing in front of my uncle's uh, coffin with David and Bobby. And I said, okay, so I brought the stuff, the hat, the cigarettes, the lighter, the beer, and the lottery ticket, the used lottery ticket. And I'm standing there and I'm like, okay, Bobby, you do it. And he goes, I'm not touching that. I don't like to touch anything dead. And I'm like, well, I can't do it. I absolutely cannot. And you have to lift the cover up, like to, you know, gently tuck his stuff in with him. So I've done this before, you know, it was a gentle process and you just tuck it in under the blanket. So I said to David, will you do it? And he said, I'm not doing it. I'm like, oh, well, people are coming. We got to quick do this. So they said, just do it. So (laughs) I throw back the cover um, that's kind of tucked on under, like around my uncle's feet. I throw it back. And the first thing I see is two highly polished shoes and plastic wrap stuck in between his shoes, like to keep his feet apart. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, Why am I even looking at this, right? I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) I hate this, right? So I quick, I put, um, you know, had everything kind of in the hat and I tucked it in to the side where he was sleeping, you know, the little coffin. I just put it in there and I put the blanket back. (sighs) Thank God it's done. So people are starting to come and I thought, well, I'm going to say a little prayer now. So I blessed myself and I'm saying a little prayer and David and, you know, Bobby are there. And all of a sudden we hear this doom. Oh my God. I said, did you hear that? Bobby said, that's the beer. David said, wow, he has one hell of a can opener in there. (laughs) So I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, the beer is leaking inside the coffin with my uncle. 
I am totally ruining my uncle's funeral because beer is now like I can hear it. It's leaking. So they're like, well, get it out, get it out. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not touching that. And they said, you got to get it out. People are coming like, hurry up. So I flip the blanket back again and my hand, like, like I'm hitting right now on the table. I'm like searching for this beer that's, that's obviously punctured somehow. And so my arm is starting to go lower and lower and lower. And I'm in a panic. I'm ruining my uncle's funeral. And I'm freaked out because I am as close to a dead body as I'm ever going to be and never want to be. And as my hands are going like down deeper, I, I realize that the shoe is pressing against my nose and my arm is all the way in the casket. So... Casket 101 instructions here. (laughs) So apparently what they do, which I'm never going to be buried in a coffin. I'm going to, I'm going to have my ashes scattered in, in Kauai (laughs) and I have very distinct (laughs) instructions. So picture an X and that's being a spring, like an accordion type of spring. And attached to the sides are little circular springs with pointy little um, spring markings. So, you know, the tips of them are not well sealed because it's a coffin. Nobody should probably have their hand (laughs) inside a coffin. So what they do for this poor body is they crank the bed up. And then when they say goodnight they crank the body down. So the body actually gets lowered. So in this moment, what I didn't realize is that my uncle's body is basically platformed at the top. And then there's a bottom of the casket. And that's where my hand is. Oh my God. (laughs) So my nose is like pushed up against his shoe. My hand is like padding around in the bottom and I get a hold of the beer. And I, it's my hands starting to get wet. Like it's spraying because it's punctured. Like this is happening really quickly, by the way. <laughs> and so I take the baseball cap and, and I, as I pull up the beer, it literally sprays the whole coffin, my uncle and all of his bedding with beer, with Iron City Light. Yep. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I could see it spraying and there's little bubbles of beer um, drizzled on my uncle. And I put the baseball cap to stop the pressure of the puncture. So it had punctured on one of those sharp springs. <laughs> oh my God. I, I'm laughing, but I was crying because I'm touching a dead body. I'm ruining my uncle's funeral. And I didn't even look after I saw the beer spray all over, but I like ran into the bathroom with this beer to empty it out. And then, and so I'm in there and I'm crying because I just feel so badly that this was supposed to be a tradition and I completely ruined my uncle's funeral. So I come out to the bathroom, you know, after crying and being embarrassed and feeling, you know, really bad about what I had done. And I just wanted to keep it quiet. So I just, I threw everything away. Like I wasn't even going to put the hat or the beer or anything in there. I was like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done with this. And as I come out, I could hear people like, like sobbing. And I thought, oh my God, like, wow, everybody's here. And they're really taking this, you know, to heart. And, and then my heart ached, you know, I was really sad that I lost my uncle. But as I was looking at people's wailing, I was realizing that they weren't crying. <laughs> they were stifling laughter behind their hand. Because while I was in the bathroom, my two big mouth cousins... <laughs> Of course, told everybody about this, except, thank God, my aunt, who, God bless her, she was sitting in the corner crying. Maybe I should have told her about it. But people started to laugh about this. 
So finally the funeral director comes over and he's like, I understand you might've had a little mishap. And I'm like, um, yeah, I did. And he goes, well, I'll go get it for you. And I'll, I'll make sure that, you know, I'll go into the bathroom and I'll get it. I'll make sure it's, you know, in the coffin. And I said, well, thank you. And he said, we're soon getting ready to say our final goodbyes. So you might want to get in line, you know, towards the the back so that you can say your final goodbyes because he had known um, us, the the funeral director. As a matter of fact, I think he was a relative, but that's another story. <laughs> oh, my grandfather, great-grandfather. So anyways, I stand back in line and I'm in line and all of a sudden, there's an old couple, you know, that was coming, that was kind of hurrying up. And I'm like, oh, please go in front of me. And so they went and they went to the coffin. And as they circled the coffin and said their prayer, they walked away from the coffin. And I was stepping up and I see the woman hit her husband. I don't even know who they were on the shoulder. And he goes, what? What did I do? And he goes, she said, I told you no drinking until after the funeral. <laughs> so there answered that question for me as I'm praying over my uncle, smelling Miller light beer, freshly spewed all over my uncle, and everybody could smell it, including these people that didn't know about the incident. <laughs> and this poor guy got in trouble, this old man. His wife thought he was drinking. So many years later... My daughter, um, for, for her Catholic school, had to write a scholastic uh, story for the Golden Key Awards, which is a really big thing. You know, if you won a Golden Key Award, you're really a good writer. Um, your entries are submitted from all over the county. And um, my daughter happened to submit a story called The Last Laugh. And it was about the story of my Uncle Ralph's funeral. And she actually won a Golden Key Award for it. Later, I told a friend about this story, which is kind of a unique story. And he said, I swear to God, I read that in an article. So what he thinks, and we never could find it, was it, we think it was a published article. Because the, I believe the Golden Key, the Scholastics, I think they... Whatever submitted, I think, possibly is the property then of the Scholastic School, and uh, maybe they sold it to somebody because he he was very uh, distinct about it. He was like, "This has to be um, this story," and he never could collaborate with that. So the moral of this story that I want to take back to is intuition. And listening to intuition and how easy it is to connect with people on the other side. When our heart, those windows of opportunity, when it opens up, it has the magnificent capacity to do anything. That's what the Akashic Records are. Limitless possibilities. Limitless possibilities. So right now, as a listener, where are you in your intuitive journey? And more importantly, where do you want to be and move into? So today, as always, I would love to invite you to the opportunity to start connecting with yourself. My intuitive journey just started there. And what I did when my uncle asked if I could talk to my mom is my heart opened up and he heard a message from my mom. And that gave him so much joy Believing in ourselves and our skill set, no matter what they are, be it intuition, be it a professional writer, whatever your gifts are, a storyteller, I invite you today, as your heart 
is opening up to this message. I invite you to find your magic gift today. And if you want it to be intuition, I know how to get you there. (laughs) I love it so much. Being able to be connected with that space, that realm that's us. It's simple. My book, Are You Only Half a Woo, is about those windows of opportunity. I never read for my uncle again. That March was the only time I did it. 12 months later, he too was gone. So as I was healing from losing my special, special friend, I made a decision that I wanted to connect with him. He passed so quickly. My aunt said it was just, it was like he was sleeping in bed. There was no struggle. He just looked like he was peacefully sleeping when he was called to the other side. So I asked my mom, I said, mom, can you connect me to uncle Ralph? Because I figured she'd been gone, uh, over a year. So I figured maybe she had more, you know, connection powers, so to speak, because remember we're human beings having, we're we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So we need to learn to connect to language and to connect to other people in a different way than when we're on the other side. We don't use um, verbal language. Like when somebody shows up for a mediumship reading, some people will look at me and their mouth isn't moving, but I can hear them. Other people are in a rhetorical conversation where I like almost hear them talking, plus I see them moving. I see facial expressions of like joy and laughter and happiness. But some people don't really want to talk to me for whatever reason. But they'll look at me and they'll say, just please let them know. And they'll say one statement. So when I was connecting, the part of the story I didn't tell you is that when I was connecting with my mom, um, I said to my mom secretly, I didn't say it to my uncle. I said, mom, and I didn't type it. I really miss you. I'm really sad that you're gone. Can you put your arms around me and hold me? And so I closed my eyes and I breathed that in. And I swear I felt her holding me. So move forward many months after, you know, my uncle's passing. And I had a girlfriend. I still have a girlfriend. Her name's Anat. She's probably one of the best psychic, intuitive mediums I have ever met or ever even seen. And remember, I've seen Sylvia Brown. I've seen John Edwards. There's a lot of powerful, intuitive psychics, mediums that I've met and seen. But this woman, she topped the cake. She actually worked for very high levels and very high profile people. And she used to say to me, Candy, so how she connected was she would read all the lines on your hand and the lines down from your, like from your pinky, there's lines. If you look at your hand right now, there's lines on the corners or on the sides. She would actually read those too. And when she would take a foundation that was darker than your normal skin, and she had a little more olive skin. She was from Israel. She was, uh, is men, um, Yamanite. And so she would put this, uh, foundation on your hand and you could see almost like um her eyes turned into complete animation like she you could see she was almost watching a tv when she was watching the lines on your hand that would make everything very distinct and she literally could say i see you talking to this person she could tell you about the conversation the words in the conversation like she was really good. She could tell you names of people. I usually cannot tell names, but she used to say, here's my hand. Now you read me. 
And she says, I know you can do it. I said, I don't know how. And she said, but I can feel you. I can feel that you can do it. And I, I could feel things for her, but the delineations and the distinctions, and she would show me the palm of her hand. I was like, well, looks like you had some hummus, a little eggplant, but I couldn't, that's all I could read is if there were, and there's a little smudge, there's a little ink mark. <laughs> that's how I would read her. And she'd say, come on, really read my energy. So when she saw me, she said, you mother, and she had a beautiful accent, you mother uh, is coming to me now and she tells me something, but she will not tell me the meaning. She says, tell Candy, she will know. And it was one sentence. My arms are still around you. My first intuitive reading I ever did was to my Uncle Ralph. It was a mediumship and reading somebody else's energy, as well as an, uh, somebody from the past. So it's, it's a very distinct skill set. And by my mother coming through my girlfriend and not, I knew that that reading was real. And I was also able to hear in those moments what my mom said. And she said, my, are, my wings are still big and beautiful. I still live in the most gorgeous crystal palace, which of course my mom would. And she said, your Uncle Ralph was sad and I called him home and he came and she showed me how it happened. She said, Ralph, let's go. And he went. And my aunt had seen his face and she said, you know, as peaceful as he went, he said, I really believe that your mom did call him and he went right home. Now, I don't think my mom had the power to bring him home. I think that that's how we go. I think that when, when we're ready to leave, I think somebody comfortable comes to gather us and to make us feel safe on the journey. So my whole point of this story is when our heart is opened and we capture those windows of opportunity, think of all the windows of opportunity that happened to me in that moment. I saw somebody struggling that I loved, my uncle, about my mom's passing. My heart opened up and I did things I didn't know I had the capabilities of doing. But here's the thing I didn't do. I shut the computer that day. I never did another intuitive reading. That was 1996 until, geez, the last 10 years. So there were many years that I did nothing to help people. And it's my secret superpower. Not so secret now that I have my book coming out and my podcast and <laughs> my business. So it's not so secret now. But as a listener, what is your heart saying right now? What did it hear in those stories? I hope you heard hope, love, laughter, commitment, believing in ourselves, opening our heart. And what windows of opportunity live in your heart today? What's that next thing for you? Maybe the mission of your business is being born in your heart, even as you're listening. Maybe you too know that you want to learn more about in intuition. I always invite conversations about intuition and how I can help you connect to your quantum connection and your quantum energy field. The Akashic Records is all part of that mystical journey, the journey inward, the journey of who we are. So if you would like to connect with me, as always, 
connect with me for free so that we can talk about the window of opportunity that's living in your heart that maybe you're not taking action on because maybe you just don't know which direction and you're having a hard time making a decision. Wouldn't it be great to go into your Akashic energy field for your mission, for your life, opening your heart to more love and to more laughter? So how you can connect with me so we can start talking about a journey moving inward for you, you can always contact me at Candice Haza, www.candicehaza.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. And that's to book an appointment. If you're struggling with your business, I recommend the Align Your Business Call. If you're struggling in life, I recommend the spiritual strategy session. And we'll spend 30 minutes looking at some repeat patterns that are happening in your life, where some of your biggest blocks are. And once released, we'll open more opportunities for those windows of opportunities in our heart to move forward. So I ask you, how long do you want to wait? Let's go through that. (laughs) So let me do the math. Don't laugh if I make a mistake. Oh my goodness. It's almost... So that was almost 18 years ago. So how many more lives could I have helped if I believed in that moment? What's the different trajectory or path? I probably wouldn't have stayed working at Millersville University if I would have believed that I could talk to spirit source on the other side. Recently, and I sure hope to bring her on, I had an opportunity for Mother's Day. I offered a special program. It was called um, the Mother's Day Medium. And once a year, I opened that program up. And this year, a friend of mine bought her mother a gift, a mediumship reading. So here's what I didn't expect. And I invite you to start thinking about the things and the gifts that you have And if you wait 18 years to step up into them, it'll be a significant part of your life and part of your life that you're not helping people in your mission if you're not in your mission right now or you're stuck or you're confused. So when I think about how easy it was to connect, I made an offer for Mother's Day Medium. And, you know, I I do mediumship readings for, it happens in business naturally. A lot of people on the other side uh, that are your friends and family, they decide to stay with you in some capacity and help you. So I get to meet them when I'm opening your energy field, your Akashic records, the field of the Akasha for your business. And so I get to see your guides, um, especially the ones that lived on this earth. And I never know when they're going to come, but once they do, they almost always continually uh, pop up in the appointments. And those helpers are standing alongside of you, and they give me information to give you about uh, moving forward in your business or on your mission. So this particular person, my girlfriend, bought this package, invested in this Mother's Day mediumship. What I didn't know that was about to happen that made a significant impact on my life is this 86-year-old woman, my girlfriend's mother, wanted a reading for her mother. What I didn't know and didn't understand until we started to step into the reading is that 
This 86-year-old woman knew nothing of her birth mother. She had a picture. Her mother passed when she was a 17-month-old infant. And so she never had the opportunity to know her mom or to meet her mom. And, you know, those many years ago, the focus of the father was, of course, finding uh, a mother and a wife uh, for his son or for this baby, this woman, and for this man to have a partnership again. So he remarried. And when he did, there really wasn't any more conversation about his past. This was a new life. This woman was kind to uh, my girlfriend's mother. I'll call her, um, I'll call her Barb. So she was kind to Barb and she was a kind woman to Barb and she treated her well, this stepmother. But in this young girl's heart, this 86 year old woman still had the young girl's heart. She wanted to know a little something about her mom. So fortunately, she brought pictures along, and I could feel the sweetness of her spirit. I could even see the sadness that she felt as she was leaving and passing from cancer, and I could see a sweet goodbye that she had with her daughter. And I also could see the coolness and the warmth of her heart. She was a beautiful lady. And I could see her um, almost like an old movie with kind of country sun, uh, golden and light shining in this window. And she was doing the dishes and I started to hear her and she was in a dress. She had her, her apron on and I could see her silk pantyhose with the line down the back and um, her shoes that had kind of a thick heel and short to the ground, maybe, maybe three inches. And and I could see uh, the light shining on her and her doing dishes and making bottles and humming. She was a big hummer. I could, I could feel the energy of that. So there were some private distinctions and I'll let, you know, I'll let, uh, if I'm able to bring on the woman who had the reading, I'll let her uh, talk to you about that. And let you let you feel the power in her heart uh, with the distinctions that she heard that day. But what a beautiful gift for a woman of 86 to meet her mom for the first time. And if I would have stayed small and been embarrassed by my gift and worried about what other people thought, instead of leaning into the opportunities, the windows of opportunities, to reunite an 86-year-old woman that the last time spoke with her mom, she was a 17-year-old baby, (laughs) 17-month-old baby. Think about that, 17-month-old baby saying goodbye to um, your mom and then hello all those years later, 85 years later, just about. That's a gift, really. And I'm grateful that I was able to see that gift and to help make that gift happen because I believe in myself now. And I believe that the power that lives inside of us is eternal and that it can come into our energy fields with ease and flow, just like in the movie Blink with the energy of love written on the bottle, it reacts to a molecular level. So for 98% water, just think of how easily our intuition is to connect with because the power of water was what was researched in the blink or what the blink. I'm looking at my book right now. So I was trying to make sure that it was the right name. So as we come to this completion of this episode, we covered a whole bunch of things. We covered the possibility of leaning into our woo, our window of opportunity, the power that lives inside of our heart, the energy of the Akashic records and connecting to it, 
and the ease and flow that you too can connect to your Akashic energy field. So today I'm wishing you a whole bunch of love and laughter. (laughs) And please, when you hear it, celebrate and send up some love to my uncle Ralph. He was such a great guy. And to my aunt Lenny and to my mom (laughs) and all the beautiful people on the other side that are sharing gifts with us right now, the gift of laughter and of love. So today I'm wishing you love and laughter. Big kisses until we talk again. Bye. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to CandiceHaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.